Hi, this is Mark Brady. I'm the pastor at Anchor Faith Church in Valdosta, Georgia. I want to thank you for listening to our podcast today. We believe it will bless you and minister to you. I get ready to receive a word from God. Well, I want to wrap up kind of a series of talks that we've been in the last several weeks. This would be a final installment. We've been talking about freedom and what true freedom looks like. We've been defining the difference between freedom and deliverance. We said that deliverance is being uh, set free or removed from physical or natural bondage, but that is not true freedom. That true freedom actually only comes by the choices and the decisions. And we saw that Paul was admonishing in Corinthians, he said, or I'm sorry, in Galatians, he said, if you've been delivered or you've been set free, do not return back to a yoke of bondage. We're talking about living truly free. We're talking about experiencing the true freedom in Christ. We know the Bible tells us that when the Son sets us free, we are what? Free indeed. Beyond the shadow of a doubt, you are free. But I see people, you see people, we know people that are free, literally free, but still live with a bondage mentality. They still live with a thinking and a mindset of brokenness, of being bound, of being uh, um, reduced to something below the standard of what God has called them to be. And so we need to learn to discover what true freedom looks like and how to live according to that freedom. Go with me, if you will, to Hebrews chapter 11. I want to set a foundation and then we're going to give you some indicators of what true freedom looks like. Because free people, there are indicators in your life of if you're truly living free or not. It's not a question of if you are free. We're asking the question today, am I living free? Every free person should be asking the question, am I living like a free person? I don't doubt what Jesus did. I know what he did. I know what the cross did. The cross has delivered me. The cross has set me free. The cross has taken away my past and given me a bright new future. But I can still live with old thinking. I can still live with an unrenewed mind. I can still live choosing to live bound by the things that ought to no longer have a stronghold in my life, ought to be dictating things in my life. In Hebrews chapter 11 and verse 1, I'm going to read this from the Passion Translation. It says this, now faith brings our hopes into reality and becomes the foundation needed to acquire the things we long for. It is all the evidence required to prove what is still unseen. It goes on to say, this testimony of faith is what previous generations were were commended for. Faith empowers us to see that the universe was created and beautifully coordinated by the power of God's words. He spoke, and the invisible realm gave birth to all that is seen. Faith is the evidence of what is not yet seen. Faith is is literally living in what I have not yet attained. Faith is acting, acting like what is yet to happen, has already taken place. Y'all with me? There are 
too many believers that do not live a life of faith. I believe one of the greatest things that we risk when we do not walk in true freedom, like we've been talking about the last few weeks, is the life of faith. That bound people, people that see themselves still as slaves, people that see themselves still as um, bound by the things of the world and things of the past, number, number one area that is compromised is a life of faith. When we jump down to verse 6, look what it says in verse 6. It says, without faith, living within us, it would be impossible to please God. Without faith living within us, it is impossible to please God. Without faith, it is impossible to please God. You know what that tells me? God places a high priority on the life of faith. It's not a small thing to God if we're living by faith or not. It's not a small thing to God if we choose to exercise faith or we choose to live by what is seen and choose to uh, live by doubting everything that he speaks and everything that he shows us. And, you know, some, some of us are inclined naturally to respond by doubt rather than by faith. Our first response is to uh, um, doubt or misinterpret what God is saying. And that is an indication of a slave life, not a free life. Free people live by faith. Free people live by faith. Free people believe God at his word. I've heard people define it this way, that faith is simply believing God's word as truth. It's that simple. If it says it, I believe it. If it says it, I believe it. That's simple. It says that without faith, it is impossible to please God. He goes on to say, for we come to God in faith, knowing that he is real and that he rewards the faith of those who passionately seek him. He's a rewarder of those who passionately seek him by faith. One of the key indicators of a free person, one of the key indicators in my life, if I'm walking in freedom in an area or if I'm walking enslaved in an area, is where's my life of faith at? Look at this in first, uh, I'm sorry, 2 Corinthians chapter 4. 2 Corinthians chapter 4. Just going to set a foundation, and then we're going to look at a passage here that's very familiar. We're going to dive into some of these indicators of a life of faith. 2 Corinthians chapter 4 and verse 13. Reading from the Christian Standard, it reads this way. And since we have the same spirit of faith, everyone say spirit of faith. One more time, say spirit of faith. Since we have the same spirit of faith in keeping with what is written, I believed, therefore I spoke. We also believe and therefore speak. You have, if you have come into the kingdom of God, you have been given a spirit of faith. And not just a spirit of faith. You have been given the same spirit of faith. Every single one of us in this room has been given the same measure or the same spirit of faith to operate by and to live by. 
The question is not whether or not you have faith. The question is, are you using the faith that you have? I like to put it this way, that faith can be likened to muscle. And every single one of us in this room have muscles. If you didn't have muscles, you wouldn't be sitting like you're sitting, and you wouldn't be uh, able to do the things that we as humans, they are a necessary component of our bodies, the, the muscle group of our bodies. But everybody in this room has not exercised those muscles to the same degree. Would y'all agree with me? Yes. Some of us have muscles that we haven't used in a while. You ever done, you ever done uh, some form of labor that required you to use your lower back or your legs, and you're like, man, I forgot that muscle group was even there. And it's crying out all of a sudden. It's saying, use me more often and you, all won't, you won't feel this way, right? We all have muscles, but to the, the results that we get from those muscles are determined by how we have exercised them or put them to use. Well, it's the same with our faith. We all have a measure of faith. We all have been given the same spirit of faith. I'll put it to you this way. I'm bold enough to say this. You've been given the same level of faith that Jesus had. You've been given the same spirit of faith that Jesus had. God is not a respecter of persons, and he would not give to Tommy something that he would not give to Kyle. He would not give to Roger something that he would not give to Chase. He has given us all the same spirit of faith, but some of us have exercised or used that muscle of faith to greater degrees than others. I'll also put it to you this way. We can develop faith in a certain arena stronger than we do in another arena. We can easily, I know people that can easily apply faith for finances. It's not even a problem to them. I mean, that's just something that, they, that it just comes naturally. We can believe God for finance. We can, we can believe God to meet this need. We can believe God for this to come in by faith. But maybe they haven't strengthened that area of faith concerning healing. Maybe they haven't, they haven't developed or, or, or strengthened the area of the faith uh, uh, concerning uh, the love walk. Believing for forgiveness, their identity. So even in the same spirit of faith, there are arenas where we can exercise our faith. And again, how much you use it determines what it will do for you. What I tell people is don't wait until you have the need to start developing the faith for that need. Don't wait until you're sick to start getting loaded up on the word of God regarding healing and divine healing. And what does the Bible say about your body? And what is applied to it and what Jesus' blood being shed and the stripes taken on his back for your sickness, for your disease, for your infirmities. Don't wait until you're sick. Now, when you do get sick, what does the doctor do? They will, they will load you up on some antibiotics. Uh, antibiotics. They will start uh, loading you up, get, pump that vitamin C in there. Right? So when I do get sick, guess where I'm going in the Word? I'm not going to the financial scriptures. <laughs> I'm going to the scriptures regarding divine healing. 
I'm going to start dosing up on that. But don't wait until you have a need to start developing faith in that arena. We should be building this up. Wherever we are deficient in our hearing, we'll find ourselves deficient in our strength. Wherever we find ourselves deficient in receiving the word of God, faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. So I need to hear the word. I need to receive the word. And that then in turn builds my faith in an arena. Then when the need comes or the trial comes, I'm able to respond accordingly to the word rather than the problem. Well, free people live by faith, but slave people do not live by faith. And this is the contrast I want to bring today. 1 Corinthians chapter 10. 1 Corinthians chapter 10 and verse, verses 11 and 12. I'm going to be reading from the message. I love how it puts this. 1 Corinthians chapter 10, verse 11. These are all warning markers, danger in our history books. Written down. Why? So we don't repeat their mistakes. He's talking to believers. He's talking to the church. If you think that you have been saved and you've been redeemed and you've come to a point where you would not repeat the mistakes of your forefathers, you're sadly mistaken. And everything they did and all the failures that we read about in the Bible, you and I are fully capable of messing it all up to. So he says, we wrote these things down, and they're there for your example so that you don't do the same things the, they did. Our positions in the story are parallel. They are at the beginning, we at the end, and we are just as capable of messing it up as they were. Don't be so naive and self-confident. You're not exempt. You could fall flat on your face as easily as anyone else. Forget about self-confidence. It's useless. Cultivate God's confidence. So when we're talking about freedom, we can look at some people that literally were delivered, literally set free, but yet chose to live like a slave. Many of you already know where we're going, Numbers chapter 13. Numbers chapter 13. We started here. I, I could probably, honestly, I could preach an entire year just out of Numbers 13 and 14. There are so many examples and so many points to pull out of this story. This is the crux of what it means to come out of darkness into light. This is the moment where they are on the verge of walking into the promise that they have believed for for so long. And yet they reject it. They walk away from it. They resist. It's right in front of them. These Israelites who were once enslaved for over four generations, enslaved by the Egyptians, in literal bondage, in literal slavery, had taskmasters that worked them like dogs had a Pharaoh that was only interested in one thing, building my cities and building my kingdom, and you are just a means to an end. You don't mean anything else to me, but you are helping me accomplish. I'm going to use your strength for my advantage. I'm going to use your multiplication 
uh, to my benefit, and you're going to build stuff for me, and you're going to be under my thumb, and you're going to do what I tell you to do. You're going to live how I tell you to live. You're going to go to sleep when I tell you to go to sleep. You're going to rise when I tell you to rise. You're going to eat what I tell you to eat. You're going to live where I tell you to live. They literally have no say-so in their life. Praying and believing and knowing that God had promised that there would be a time that they would be in bondage to these uh, foreign, to this foreign nation, to these Egyptians but that he would raise up a deliverer that would set them free. He would raise up a deliverer that would bring them out of that slavery and bring them out of that bondage. And we know that Moses came in 10 plagues later. Finally, Pharaoh says, get them out of here. Get them out of my sight. He delivers them, literally set free. Not only set free, but they left Egypt with all of the Egyptians' possessions. How would you like to come out of slavery, not with a zero, not with a blank slate, but in the green. Like, you're set up. See, when God delivers you, he doesn't just deliver you. He gives you access to all the provision necessary to go and do and accomplish what he's called you to do. He does not leave you empty-handed. He does not do the bare minimum. Well, I got you out. You figure it out on your own. Man, he left them with their possessions. It said that the entire time they were in the wilderness, their, their clothes didn't wear out, their shoes didn't wear out. It said not one of them got sick. I mean, God knows how to set you up for the best future. He can set you up way better than a banker can, than an investor can. He knows how to get you over. He doesn't just get you through, he gets you over. Now in Numbers 13, they send in those 12 spies to the promised land, right? Starting with verse 26, we see that report that comes back. In Numbers chapter 13. See, it's not about the promise that you see. It's about the report that you deliver. That's the problem. What report? We just read in Hebrews chapter 11, it was the testimony of faith that the previous generations were commended for. Is the testimony of faith. See, I can see the goodness of God and I can still come back with the wrong report. I can see the goodness of God and still come back with the wrong thing. About what do I focus on? What do I see? What's the report I'm bringing back? In Numbers chapter 13, verse 26, it says, the men went back to Moses, Aaron, and the entire Israelite community in the wilderness of Haran at Kadesh. They brought back a report for them and the whole community, and they showed them the fruit of the land. They reported to Moses, we went into the land where you sent us. Indeed, it is flowing with milk and honey, and here is some of its fruit. However, the people living in the land are strong, and the cities are large, and fortified. We also saw the descendants of Anak there. The Amalekites are living in the land of the Negev. The Hethites, Jebusites, Amorites live in the hill country, and the Canaanites live by the sea and along the Jordan. Verse 30, then Caleb quieted the people in the presence of Moses and said, let's go up now and take possession of the land because we certainly can conquer it. But the men who had gone up with him responded, we can't attack 
the people because they are stronger than we are. And they gave a negative report to the Israelites about the land they had scouted. The land we passed through to explore is one that devours its inhabitants. And all the people we saw in it are men of great size. We even saw the Nephilim there, the descendants of Anak, come from the Nephilim to ourselves. We must, we seemed like grasshoppers and we must have seemed the same to them. We said this, that God was able to get them out of Egypt, but he was not able to get Egypt out of them. It was easier for God to deliver the Israelites from Pharaoh than it was for God to deliver the Israelites from themselves. This is the the bondage. This is what slavery does, and slavery takes place in the mind. It's not just physical. It's not just natural. It's not just tangible. It's not just external. You can give someone that has been raised and lived with the poor mentality, give them a million dollars, and they'll still live like a poor person. Why? Until you change their thinking about finances and their thinking about money, they will all they always see themselves as How do we change this mentality? How do we take, truly take people that have been delivered, have been past tense? You have been delivered. The, the work of Jesus Christ is done. It's been accomplished. He's not coming back down here and doing anything else. You don't need God to do another thing for you. It's all available to you. But we come down here and we cry and we moan and we sob and we, we, we tear and we sweat and we, 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 we thank God for the deliverance at an altar call. And then we walk back to the bondage because we haven't taken the time to renew the mind. We haven't taken time to get free truly where freedom takes place. And that's why you would walk into the, prom- the promises of God, the presence of God, and you would reject it and resist it and say, no, it's not for me. Only a broken person would say that. Only a slave would say that. Caleb quiets the people because Caleb says, man, I'm a free person. I'm not a slave anymore. I ain't no, I don't know who you're talking about. I ain't no grasshopper. Give me a giant. I'll cut off all their heads. Show me mountains. I'll take every single one of them. Show me a walled up city. We'll cry until the walls come down. We will see the goodness of the Lord in the land of the living. That's a free person. A life of faith. A life of faith, a spirit of faith. I want to give you 10 indicators today of a spirit of faith. 10 indicators. Number one, people who have a spirit of faith remember God's word. People without a spirit of faith reject God's word. Number one, people who have a spirit of faith Remember, they recall, they bring it to their remembrance. They are in front of it so much so that the word of God is greater than even their current situation. People of faith, people that are operating in a spirit of faith, people that are living in true freedom, they don't care about what's going on around them. They don't ignore it. They don't deny it. But they choose not to elevate it above the word of God. The sickness in my body is not greater than the word that he's promised me of healing. My financial situation that I'm currently in does not alter what God's word says, that I am the head and not the tail, above and not beneath, that he will give me, that he has supplied all my riches and glory. 
Come on. That's why I said you got to get the word on a situation. You can't expect to develop faith where you have a deficiency of word. You'll never develop faith where there's a deficiency of word. So a people who have a spirit of faith, they remember God's word. What does the word say? Forget not all his benefits. What did Proverbs chapter 3 tell us? To trust in the Lord. Lean not on my own understanding. Paul said it this way. I don't care what it looks like. I don't care how I feel. I don't care what it sounds like. Isn't that what we just sang about? Isn't that what we just sang about? Even when I don't see it, you're working. Even when I don't feel it, you're moving. Never going to stop. That is who you are. You are the way maker. Not something I'm hoping you'll do, wish you would do. If I do this, you'll do. No, it's who you are. People with a spirit of faith remember God's word. People without a spirit of faith, they will reject. They'll literally reject it, resist God's word. Even after Caleb spoke up and says, no, 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 listen. Now, remember, he didn't deny what they were saying. That's not true. There's no giants. That's not true. The cities aren't that big. He's not denying it. He's just choosing to stand on God's word. And even after he spoke the truth of God's word, let us go up at once. What did they counter with? The problem. What did they counter with? Trouble, trial, challenge. They resisted the word of God. Number two, people who have a spirit of faith have a victor mentality. People without a spirit of faith have a victim mentality. It's a key indicator. If you're living with the true spirit of faith, you have a victor mentality. I am an overcomer. I don't allow my situation to define who I am. My situation doesn't define my position. You got to understand you are in Christ Jesus. You are the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. You are the head and not the tail. You are above and not beneath. You are chosen. You are beloved. But people who don't have a spirit of faith, people that are still enslaved and in bondage, they allow their situation to define them. And here's the key. When you live like a victim, there is nothing that satisfies you. You ever ever been around someone like that? Even when things are going great, they still feel like a victim. Even when things are going their way, even when things are working out the way that they want, they will still find something to complain about. Ever been around that person? Not very long. I can't. I can't. There's a commercial that comes on the radio. Maybe some of you have heard it. I, I can't remember what, what ad it was, but it was talking about people that will, will leave reviews, um, you know, uh, that are always negative no matter what. And one of them was, if I can recall it correctly, it was, um, I walked in the store and they, or uh, when I was leaving, they told me to have a nice day. How dare they tell me what kind of day to have? 
You always have a negative slant, always have a way to twist it to make it negative, right? And even when, when people are treating you the way you want to be treated, even when people are validating you, even when things are going your way, even when the money comes in, what am I going to do? You know, you know, I mean, you just find something to grumble and complain about. That's a victim. That's a mentality. That's brokenness. That's the way slaves live. Free people don't live that way. Free people can live like victors even in the midst of being challenged. Even in the midst of trial, they will find something to give praise about, something to give glory about, something to worship God about. Yeah. Being a victor. Number three, people who have a spirit of faith see obstacles as something to overcome. People without a spirit of faith see obstacles as something to be overcome by. They always see opposition. They always see that what's standing in front of them is keeping them from. Oh, they didn't do this. They didn't do that. But people with the spirit of faith, they, they, they almost welcome opposition. <laughs> because there's just something about them that says, I can't have victory if there's not a battle. They're a strategist. They're looking strategic. They're looking for strategic ways to overcome something. They are problem solvers, not problem finders. Man, when you have a conquering mentality, when you have this kind of of, of thinking about you, it's almost like you are so emboldened by it. I mean, I could just see Caleb and Joshua, and, and, and look, Caleb and Joshua are already up against enough in the promised land. Giants and fortified cities and, and, a, and a large territory to over. Then they come home and they find out, I got opposition right here. Y'all ever found that? The, the battle was big enough just when the doctor gave me the report. But now I got aunt so-and-so and cousin so-and-so and sister so-and-so telling me how bad it's going to be and what, what it's going to happen. They're like, you should be for me, not against me. And now I'm finding opposition right in my own house. But man, when you get a spirit of faith about you, you're so involved. It's not that you go looking for problems, but man, when you see them, you immediately, there is no hesitancy. There is no drawback. There's no, ah, oh, not this thing. You're saying, man, come on, let's do this. Let's take this on right now. You're almost daring the devil to give you a negative dare you to touch my family. I dare you to lay your hands on my kids. I dare you to bring something, and I'll sh- I'll, we'll, we'll take you. That's a, vic- that's a victor conquering mentality. That's the spirit of faith, and slave people do not think that way. They do not live that way. Number four, people who have a spirit of faith, they highlight the promise of God people without a spirit of faith, they highlight the problem. Right? I ministered a message before called Grapes and Giants. This very topic. What do you see? Remember they brought back that fruit. So large it had to be carried on a pole. Any of y'all gone to Publix and had to carry your grapes out on a pole between two people? Can I help you carry that out? Why, yes, indeed. I'll come back for the rest. Let me take these grapes home and then I'll. No. 
That's called abundance. That's called freedom. That's called the promised land. That's the land flow of milk and honey. But you know what? The land that had the grapes still had the giants. It's about what you choose to focus on. It's about what you choose to look at. What are you emphasizing in your life? Are you emphasizing everything that's going wrong? Or do you take time? Do you have any time out of your day where you just emphasize the goodness of God? You just emphasize what he's brought you through. You just remember and recall everything he's done in your life. If it weren't for you, I'd be here. But thank you for this. I could easily grumble and complain about everything else going on, but I'm just going to take a moment right here, right now, and just worship you for who you are. You didn't do another thing for me. I could worship you to the day I die. Spirit of faith. Spirit of faith. Highlight the promises of God. Not denying the problem. Just choosing to give priority. Number five. People who have a spirit of faith have a healthy identity in Christ. A healthy identity in Christ. Watch this. People without a spirit of faith They develop an incorrect interpretation of who they really are through the lens of their situation. We see this here in verse 33. We even saw the Nephilim there, the descendants of Anak. To ourselves, to ourselves, to ourselves, we seem like grasshoppers, and we must have seemed the same. To them. Are you serious? Put that put that point back up there. Your identity. Are you really allowing your situation to tell you who you are? Seem like grasshoppers. And then to even take it a step further. And our enemy must have thought we were grasshoppers too. Now, when you go in to spy out the land. You have no business questioning your enemy on who they think you are. What were they doing? Going in there, taking a poll? And just doing a little survey, Mr. Giant? Um, we're just in here taking a look at the land. and you know, First take, what you know, what'd you get from us? You know, what, do you, what do you think we are? Lions? Tigers? Bears? Grasshoppers? Never consult your enemy to determine your identity. You have no business talking to the devil about who he thinks you are. You have no business talking to a doctor's report that says you're sick and then carrying on the identity of a sick person. Your identity comes from Christ. Your identity comes from who he's already called and defined you to be. And nobody else has that right. Nothing else has the right to redefine who you are. Now, that comes from the inside. And when you have a spirit of faith, you have a healthy identity. Not arrogance, but bold. This is who I am. This is what he's promised me. You might be living freely in this territory right now, but there's a day coming where we're going to wipe you all out because this is the land that God's given us. This is where we're supposed to be, and nobody can take that away from us except ourselves. 
Nothing can stand in our way. And we'll watch walls fall. We'll watch rivers part. We'll watch giants come down. Yeah. A healthy identity in Christ. You got to have a spirit of faith. Slave people, their identity is usually the first thing to go. You're still thinking like a slave. You're still thinking like you're a maggot back in Egypt. He says, no, you're more than that, more than a conqueror, more than an overcomer. The devil wants you to think that you have to uh, affirm yourself and approve yourself to God, and God says, no, I've already accepted you. Now become everything that I've already called you to be. Live out everything I've already put inside of you. But if you're not careful, you'll let the enemy talk you out of who, you're re- who you really are. Got to have a spirit of faith. Number six, people who have a spirit of faith challenge and encourage the faith of others. People who have a spirit of faith challenge and encourage the faith of others. But in contrast, on the flip side, y'all seen this, people without a spirit of faith are intimidated by the faith of others and try to silence their faith. There, there, there is nothing more contrasting than when you get someone with the spirit of faith next to someone that has no faith, and you just watch the one that has no faith just wilt and wither away. Not only that, they will try to silence and discourage the faith of others. Anybody here try to walk a life of faith and then discouraged to walk that life of faith by someone that has no faith? Anybody ever experienced that before? Yeah, when you're in a faith battle, when you're in a faith test, you better be very careful the company you keep. Because for Caleb and Joshua, the company that they kept kept them out of a land they were ready to walk into, and they had to circle that wilderness for 40 years just like everybody else. Thank God they didn't die in the wilderness. But Caleb and Joshua were ready to go in that day, and their blessing, their promise was delayed by everybody else. I tell you what, I'm not going to get, I'm not going to find myself in company of people. I'm going to say, you don't want to go in, that's on you. I'll take this land. You ain't holding me back from my promise. You ain't holding me back from my healing. I I don't care what happened to grandma so-and-so, but for me, this is what the word of God, and I'm standing on my healing. I'm standing on my report, and I'm not going to be held back and delayed and and, and wither away with you. You're not going to drag me down to your level. If anything, I'm going to pull you up to my level. And if you don't pull up to my level, then you are off my level. Well, that's mean. You're excluding people. Jesus did it. Jairus' daughter, everybody out of the room except mom and dad and these three disciples. If you ain't going to stand in faith with me, then you're not in the room. You don't have a seat at the table. You don't have a voice in my ear. I'm in a faith battle right now. I've got to tighten my my restraints. I've got to be in a place where only faith comes in. Do not doubt. Only believe was the word from Jesus to Jairus. Do not be afraid. Only believe. Sometimes we're keeping people around. The company we're keeping is actually discouraging our faith, and we're actually starting to buy into their thinking rather than pulling them up to ours. Blind Bartimaeus starts crying out. What do the Pharisees do? 
shut up. Be quiet. He doesn't have time for you. He cried all the more louder, didn't he? He got Jesus' attention. I'm going to cry out till I get Jesus' attention. Amen? Heaven, heaven will have my attention. And I'm not going to be silent because somebody else can't get their faith on a level where mine is. Got to be careful. Got to be careful. People who have a spirit of faith, they will challenge and try to encourage and strengthen the faith of others. And let me just say this. I don't know how we ended up in, in a culture in a day and age where questioning or locating someone's faith was a bad thing. I hear it all the time from people. Well, you can't question their faith. You can't, you, you can't tell them what level of faith they have. Jesus did it all the time. Did he not say, why are you of little faith? Why are you so afraid? Wasn't he always trying to challenge their faith to believe in the impossible? You didn't think I couldn't calm this storm? You didn't think you could walk on water? I mean, Peter walked on water, then began to sink, and the first thing he hears from Jesus is, he said, little faith. Is that what you want to hear? Like, Jesus, I took four steps. <laughs> no, but you have to locate faith. I can't preach to you on a level that you're not at. I got to locate where you're at, and I got to bring it down there and build that faith up. Let me liken it like this. If we're in the gym talking about muscles and faith, and I get up under a bar, and you're spotting me, and there's 405 on the bar. Ain't happening. You know that. I'm going to be like, you need to bring this on down to where I'm at. You need to throw 225 on there and give me a couple. Hey, I'll get there. I, I keep working it. I'll push what I can. I'll throw what I can. I'll do it as many reps as I can. And you'll spot me and you'll help me even in the moments where I'm straining with everything I got. And before you know it, I'm bumping up. Before you know it, I'm throwing plates on. Clink, clink, clink. Ain't nothing like those 45 slamming together. But I might need to throw a 10 on there to start out. Chink. I need that deep sounding clink. Give me time, I'll get there. Come on, you need to get around some people that will spot your faith. Get around some people that will say, you can handle 10 more. Come on, you can do it. I'm right here. I've got you. I've got my fingers on the bar. You're pushing, you're pushing. You got it. You're doing it. I'm not even touching. It's not even me. That's all you. You did that. That's the kind of faith we want. And you got to build that up. You got to You don't just get there. You don't just walk up in a gym and start throwing weight around. You hurt yourself that way. The Lord told us several years ago, people are trying to exercise faith that they never stretched. Stretching has to come before exercise. you got to exercise without stretching properly. You're going to hurt something. You're going to pull something. Just stretch your faith. Can't believe God for $100? Believe him for 10 Can't believe God will heal you from cancer? Believe he'll heal you from COVID. Come on. you got to start somewhere, and you work your way there. And Joshua and Caleb are saying, man, we're at mountain moving faith, but the rest of this group, they're not. And they're trying to challenge them. They're trying to, they're trying to encourage them. Man, come on, we can do this. We can go. We can take this mountain. God has promised us. 
But unfortunately, the ones without faith got louder than the ones with faith. Got delayed. Man, you want a spirit of faith. You want a spirit of faith. Number seven. People who have a spirit of faith see the hand of God in the midst of all this. They see God move, even when I don't feel it, even when I don't see it, right? But people without a spirit of faith misinterpret God's will in actions in the midst of all this. Look at this in Numbers chapter 14, because it continues on, this sad story. The whole community broke into loud cries, and the people wept that night. All the Israelites complained about Moses and Aaron, and the whole community told them, if only we had died in the land of Egypt, or if only we had died in this wilderness. Here it is. Why is the Lord bringing us into this land to die by the sword? Now they're so deceived and so convoluted in their thinking, in their slavish mentality, that now they're misinterpreting what God is trying to do as he's trying to harm them. When you don't have a spirit of faith, you will misinterpret what even God is trying to do. You start saying things like, you must have taken them home to be with the Lord. You must have needed another angel in the choir. He put sickness on my body to teach me something. We start coming up with stupid thinking that the Bible has no alignment with, calling it doctrine and calling it theology. Come on, we're better than that. We're better than reducing the Word of God to our experience. We're better than reducing. Don't be Mary and Martha. Oh, Lord, if you had just been here, implying that you're too late. There's nothing you can do about it now. Why did you wait? You must not have cared for him and loved him as much as we thought you did. That's the implication. Of course, Martha in her passive-aggressive nature says, Oh, if you would have just been here. We know what she's thinking because she did the same thing when Jesus showed up at their house and was complaining that Mary was sitting at the feet of Jesus while she's doing all the work. She's passive aggressive. Oh, Lord, if you'd have just been here. On the inside, where you been? We called you four days ago. Don't be that. When you have a spirit of faith, you see God moving. At all. You remember the water coming out of the rock. You, you remember the manna that showed up on the ground. You remember the birds bringing you dinner every night. You remember the, the sea that was parted. You remember as long as Moses uh, and Aaron's arms were up, that, 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 they, that they were winning the victories and winning the battles that were right in front of them. You remember that God sent a deliverer named Moses to bring you out of all this land. Well, but when we lack a spirit of faith, we think and live like slaves, we misinterpret what God is doing. We start putting man-made spins on how he produces something in our life. Doesn't work. He brought us here to die. Number eight. Number eight. 
People who have a spirit of faith praise and worship. People without a spirit of faith grumble and complain. Right, it's the common thing we say all the time. It's not what happens to you, but your response to it that determines your outcome. How are you going to respond? And I would put it this way. Praise and worship is not a response. It's proactive. People with a spirit of faith, they don't wait for things to go their way to start praising and worshiping. They praise and worship, and it opens the doors of heaven to start bringing the things that they're believing for. If your praise and worship is limited to your state of affairs, that you don't even know praise and worship, because praise is a weapon. Praise goes before you. Praise goes when the enemy is standing on the other side saying, we're going to take you down, and you start praising, and you start worshiping, and angels from heaven start taking out the enemy before you even put one foot on the battlefield. I got worship music playing to get me my victory, not because I received my victory. It's proactive. It goes out before me. It is my weapon. So what's in your mouth? We know these, this group is awful. They're grumbling and complaining. Always talking about how bad it was. Always talking about how good they had it. Always talking about, you know, if we did this and if we did that. Grumbling and complaining attitude is the life of slaves. The verbiage of slaves. Praise and worship is the verbiage of heaven. This is why you need to be filled with the baptism of the Holy Spirit and, and, and speak in other tongues because your English will give up and give in to your flesh. But if you can just start praying in the Spirit, singing in the Spirit, warring in the Spirit, I don't know what to say. I don't have anything good to say about the situation right now, but I'm going to pray in the Spirit, sing in the Spirit, pray in tongues, and I don't even know what I'm saying, but the Holy Spirit's praying through me, speaking through me, and I know he's worshiping the Father. I know he's calling things into alignment. I know he's going to put things in place for my good, for my benefit. Yeah, sometimes I'm so mad I can only say things in tongues. Because the tongue that I would give would not be advantageous. Yeah, I'll start praying in tongues. I'll get in the Spirit. And then it'll draw me. And before you know it, I'm saying things in English that I had no idea to even be praying for, to be saying, to be praising, to be worshiping. What's your, what's your mouth doing when you're in a, in a faith test, in a faith battle? What's your mouth doing? You talk yourself out of what God has already talked you into. Have a spirit of faith. Number nine. People who have a spirit of faith strive toward their future with all they've got. People who have a spirit of faith strive toward. They push. I mean, they're just, they are going after it so hard. But a people without a spirit of faith, they find bondage more attractive than freedom. Yeah. Yeah, they do. Numbers chapter 14 again. What did it say in verse 2? All the Israelites complained about Moses and Aaron, and the whole community told them, if only we had died in the land of Egypt, if only we had died in this wilderness, why is the Lord uh, bringing us into this land to die by the sword? Our wives and children will become plunder. Wouldn't it be better for us to go back to Egypt? Now, I tell you, man, 
one of the great indicators of a faith battle and a faith test is when the past starts looking more attractive than the future. But you got to strive towards your future with everything you got because there's nothing back there that is going to do you any good. The comfort of yesterday. And isn't it amazing how all of a sudden the past becomes a feeling, uh, appealing, appealing to us. When you were there, all you could think about was the scourge on your back and the, the, the harsh labor and the horrible living conditions. And, 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 but now all of a sudden you start thinking of the good things. Well, at least when I lived in the past, I had friends. At least in, when I lived in the past, I had money. I wasn't living with God as my source. I was living as myself as my source. And I knew how to supply my own needs. It's different when you start living and letting God be the supply of your needs. All of a sudden, the past gets more attractive. Bondage becomes more attractive than freedom. It's what we talked about in the first week, the, the the bondage, the burden of freedom, the burden that comes with living a free life is, for a lot of people is more burdensome than it was living in slavery. That's why you got to have a spirit of faith. The spirit of faith keeps your future focused. The spirit of faith keeps your eye on the vision. Where there is no vision, my people perish. You stop looking at what's ahead, and you start desiring what is behind. What did Paul say? I press on toward the mark, the high calling. I forsake what is behind me. You know, he's talking about successes as much as he's talking about failures. Many times our past successes are the reason why we don't attain future success. It's because we live back on laurels. We live back on what it used to be like. And we live back on, remember that, and we we grow complacent, comfortable. No, you got to strive. You got to press. You got to push with all you have toward the future that God has for you. Last one, number 10. This is probably the hardest one. People who have a spirit of faith get behind and support their leaders. But people without a spirit of faith, they will complain about and tear down their leaders and eventually will appoint leaders that are just as weak as they are. Of all the leaders that I have had the privilege and honor to sit up under, most specifically and most currently, my pastor, Pastor Earl, I've never watched them walk through as much backlash, pushback from their own congregation and from their own people than when they engage in a faith battle. Not because things were going horrible, because things were going great. Not because the future was weak, because the future was bright. And the people couldn't get their minds wrapped around by faith, the vision that the visionary received, 
I watched my pastor in St. Augustine announce that we were purchasing a mall, 160-some-thousand-odd square foot mall and 26 acres of property, and I watched him endure some of the greatest hatred and backlash he's ever seen in ministry from weak-minded people that can't wrap their head. And here's the thing. Here's what you got to understand. It's not up to you to get the faith for us to buy this property and to buy these buildings that we've been announcing. That's up to me. It's up to you to rally and get behind and encourage as the body of Christ and support and participate in whatever way you can. But I'll take you right to the Word. Numbers chapter 14, again, verse 2. All the Israelites complained about who? Moses and Aaron. And the whole community. This is supposed to be the highlight of Moses' ministry, man. I've been called to be a deliverer. You sent me to to deliver the Israelites from the bondage and slavery of Egypt and take them into the promised land that you promised our forefathers, that you promised Abraham thousands of years ago. We're seeing it come to pass. Now we take 12 spies and we send them into the very land you have promised us and sent us to. And they come back with the negative report, get the whole community of people in an uproar, and now they are being complained about by a community that can't see the vision and don't have the same spirit of faith that Moses and Joshua and Caleb. And now they're being complained about If only we had died in the land of Egypt. Jump down to verse 4. So they said to one another, let's appoint another leader and go back to Egypt. Look, if all of us appointed our own leader, we would pick one that didn't challenge us, didn't pull us, didn't draw us, didn't push us toward greatness. We would find a leader that would leave us comfortable. We'd find a leader that would leave us where we're at. We would find a leader that would, we would would pick our leaders by feelings, not by faith. When you have a spirit of faith, you desire. I've watched people in this last year, not just in this community, but all over. Because a year like 2020 and the trial and the challenges that it brings, whether real or mental, what I mean by that was a lot of the challenge from last year, just to be quite honest with you, was hype. It wasn't reality. It was just hype. It's just what everybody was talking about. I mean, every every restaurant I go to, every store I go to has signs that tells me that we are doing our best to to keep this place as clean as possible. Your safety. You know what? I just want to go to the managers and say, until you tell me otherwise, I'm going to assume that my health and safety is of importance to you and you're going to keep the place clean. And then I want to ask them, what were you doing before? Were you leaving the trash on the ground or <laughs> were you rubbing dirt everywhere, but now we're rubbing hand sanitizer? I mean, like, like what, what's going on? It's hype. We just keep it in front of people. 
So in this last year, I've watched people relocate, whether it be a church, whether it be a job. Why? Because they recognize I got to be under some strong leadership. I need a leader that has a spirit of faith. I need a leader that I'm going to go to war with. I need a leader that I can go to battle with. I need a leader that's not going to back down and, and, and cower away, but it's going to say, we're going into the promised land, and we're going to take down every giant. We're going to crush every wall. We're going to put every our foot on every everywhere the sole of our foot treads. It belongs to us. I've watched people do it. Because when you have a spirit of faith, you cannot maintain being up under weak leaders. But when you don't have a spirit of faith, you can't handle being up under strong leadership either. Now, they say, we'll pick our own leader. He'll take us back to Egypt. We got Moses and Joshua and Caleb that can take us into the promise of God that we've been believing for this whole time. By faith. Does it have its challenges? Yes. Does it have its opposition? Absolutely. Or I could be led by my feelings. Say, you know what? I don't want to get trampled by my fear. I don't want to risk it all to follow you. And so I'll find a leader. Don't take it slow. Encourage my complacency. Promise me comfort. When you are in a faith test, you better make sure you have a leader that is faith tested. And you get behind that leader. You rally behind like you've never rallied before. You support like you've never supported before. You pray for that leader like you've never prayed for that leader before. And I'm not just telling you this because I'm a leader because this is what I do to my leaders. When I see my leaders take me into a place of battle, take me into a place of promise, and I know that there's challenges, I rally harder than I've ever rallied before. I'm their biggest cheerleader. And if anybody tries to speak up and say, what do you think Pastor Earl's trying to do? He's lost his mind. I mean, the leaders never look more stupid than when they're taking on a faith test. Promise you that. I'll never look dumber to you than when I announce certain things from this pulpit about where the vision of the Lord is taking us, and naturally it doesn't look like it's possible. I will look like the stupidest person on the planet, and I'll stand right here in this pulpit, boldly proclaim, this is where the Lord is taking us. If you're on board, you're on board. If you're not, find your way off, because we're going. This train is going into the promised land. And when Joshua finally rose up in Joshua chapter 1, he said, in three days we're going in. I'm not asking questions. I'm not taking a poll. I'm not asking a survey. I'm not taking a vote. Who's ready to go? Who's not? We're going in. Who's with me? And by that point, he had raised up a bunch of young men and women that said, we're going into this. We're tired of this wilderness life. We're tired of this garbage. We're going in to see the promises of God. Too bad mom and dad didn't get to be a part of it, but I will. We're going in. We're with you, Joshua. Let's go. They rally behind him. Worship team, if you come. Spirit of faith. We need a spirit of faith in the earth today. In fact, it says Jesus, when he returns, he will return and he'll say, where is the faith? Where is the faith? He's asking that today. He's asking that today. 
Every single person out of 10 items I just listed, we all have areas we can acknowledge we can grow in, myself included. Every single one of us can say, man, I, 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 grade yourself. Where, where am I at? Where's my faith level at? What am I believing God for? Man, if, if you're not in a faith test, you either just got out of one or about to go into one. I just like to put it this way. If you're not in a faith test, you're doing something wrong. Because without faith, it's impossible to please God. Apparently, he thinks highly enough of it. Demands enough of it. Encourages us. Live a life of faith. Don't go back to bondage. Would y'all stand with me? Just a moment of consecration. I'm not going back to a life of bondage. I've heard people say, I asked God to give me more faith, and he didn't. And he won't. Can we just start preaching the Bible for what it is and what it says and quit making stuff up? He gave you a measure of faith. And his grace comes alongside to empower you and strengthen you in it. He says, when you're weak, I'm strong. What's he saying? I'll spot you. But it's your faith that's growing. I thought it was God doing everything. That's not what he told the woman that came and touched the hem of his garment. Daughter, your faith. Not my power. Your faith has made you whole. I know what God can do. Now I need to believe in what my faith can do. So would you just lift your hands to heaven? If you're serious about developing spirit of faith in your life, Father, right now, we ask your grace. We ask your empowerment to come alongside. We engage right now exercising the spirit of faith that's already within us. In the areas that we have left void and vacant and deficient, Father, I thank you that we'll give attention to them. Focus on them so we can be strengthened and encouraged in those areas so that when we see the promise of God, We'll take steps to walk in, not steps to walk away. We have a spirit of faith today. A spirit of faith to take mountains. A spirit of faith to conquer the enemy. A spirit of faith to withstand the enemy against anything he would try to bring against us. A spirit of faith to believe for the impossible. A spirit of faith that miracles would be ordinary in our lives. Spirit of faith that the same works that you did, we would do, and even greater works. A spirit of faith. A spirit of faith. Come on, it's not something that I lay hands on you to get. It's not something that I pray for you to have. It's not something that I can give you. It's something that he's already given you.
Now you ask him, you ask the Lord, strengthen my spirit of faith. Encourage me in my faith. Help me build my faith. Show me in your word what I need to hear that will encourage and strengthen my faith. Because I don't want to go back to bondage. Some of you in this room, you've been looking at that past life and it's become more attractive and more appealing. Turn your eyes. Look to the future for it is bright. Look to what is ahead because it's far greater than what's behind you. Reach, strive, push. It's right in front of you. And he that endures to the end, he will be saved. Thank you for taking the time to listen to our podcast today. We trust you received a word from God. If you enjoyed this teaching, be sure to subscribe to our podcast in iTunes. By subscribing, you'll be sure to receive a new message every week as soon as they are made available. And if you'd like to learn more about Anchor Faith Church, you can stop by our website at anchorfaithvaldosta.com. There you'll find our locations and service times, ministries that are available for you and your family. You can even give financially in support of the ministry. Thank you again for listening, and we look forward to seeing you next time right here on the Anchor Faith Church podcast.